of stuff? Or how does he deserve to have this kind of information? And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And verse 58 is where I really want to catch you at. Now, now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. So I want you to think for a minute. First of all, was the opportunity there for everyone to have mighty works happen for them? Well, it had to have been, or he wouldn't say that he couldn't do any mighty works there, all right? And the reason that he couldn't do any mighty works there wasn't because he didn't want to do them. It was because they would not believe he could do them, all right? They would not believe. So what they were saying overrode what Jesus was saying. Jesus came to do mighty works. He taught them in the synagogue, what he taught in other towns. But what they said about what he was saying, are you with me right now? What they said about what he was saying is, well, who is this guy? Why, why should he be a... And so they diminished what he was saying by what they were saying. And what they were saying produced the results they received. What they were saying produced the results they received. Now, I want, you to, I want you to listen to me. What you say either unlocks or locks up your ability to receive. What you say, what you say reveals what you believe. People say, well, I have a quiet faith. I don't talk about, well, if you can't say it, then you don't believe it. Okay? So... You know, someone says, well, I believe in, you know, I believe in stuff, but I just don't tell other people about it. Well, if you're not saying it out of your mouth, I don't, it's not really about telling other people, but it's about a declaration. Words, words in the spiritual realm, I'm talking about spoken words, are the most powerful force in the universe. Words spoken out of your mouth are the most powerful force in the universe. In fact, Jesus said, that by your words, you are condemned, and by your words, you are set free. One translation says it like this. By your words, you unlock what heaven has for you. By your words, you lock up what heaven has for you. Okay? Thank you, Omar. So I always like when Omar's up here because I get good amens. Uh, Psalm 78 and verse 41, if you turn back there with me to that, that's one of our verses for this year. Uh, that's on the uh, card that we gave you, Psalm 78 and verse 41. And uh, this is a really powerful verse because it talks about the Israelites and they, how that they approached God and what they approached God, how they dealt with their relationship with God. And it says in verse 40, how often they provoked him in the wilderness, they grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They didn't remember his power in the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. So here we see another passage that tells us that God was limited in what he could do because of the people. And it was because of, if you go back and study the story, you find out that it was what they were saying that was limited. God was holding them to account for what they were saying. It wasn't that God was saying, and I'm, we're going to look at this in a little more depth, that God was saying, Okay, you said that, 
that's what you're going to get then. But we're going to see more clearly as we look at this next passage that what God was saying, if that's the way you're going to talk, you're calling in your own problem. You're calling in your own problem. Go to, go to the book of Genesis. Dr. Kent Strude always used to say, you find all the answers in the beginning. So go to the book of Genesis, and I want you to look at chapter 3 with me. Oh, I'm so excited about this series. In, Gen in Genesis chapter 3, and you'll remember this, that and there are several things I'm going to point out to you through this, so if you're writing your Bible, that'd be a good thing, or at least write notes about it. But in Genesis 3, we read about the serpent. You know, everything is perfect. I mean, everything in the world is perfect. Do you agree with that? I mean, up to Genesis, the end of Genesis 2, creation is perfect. The garden is perfect. Everything is working as God has predicted. Everything is working the way God predicted that it would. But then when we get to Genesis chapter 3, something changes. So in verse 1 it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said, the serpent said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You will not eat of every tree of the garden? So we want to remember here that the, the problem that happens for mankind always began with a question that was asked. Is that really what God said? Is that really what God said? So that's how the serpent approached it. So whenever Eve responds back to this, and she says, well, uh, the woman said to the serpent, so sir, see, see we, have, uh, we have what God said, what she believed God said in verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now I want you to watch this in verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. So here's what I want you to, if you're writing a note, always when, the, always when you have a question, you are now opening yourself to a new assertion. Okay? So it went from, did God say that, so that's not what God said. Are you with me? So God, did God really say that? And of course, she came back with, well, this is what he said, and this is what he told us. And then he comes back with even a stronger assertion or a dictate and says, that is not what God said. Okay? So how does unbelief, how does going against what God has said, how does it get rooted into a person's life? It begins with a question. And that question, if it is not answered correctly by the word of God in our lives, that that's the final settling factor in our lives, then we open ourselves up from the question to an assertion. You're always going to have questions. In fact, from the beginning now, we recognize that that's going to be a part of our heritage of that we are going to have to deal with questioning our faith or what we believe. Nothing wrong with that. I said, there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is, is when the question turns to an assertion. And the enemy will always do that. We'll take it to a new level. Hey, this is what it's really all about. He said, you will not die. God knows. Here's the thing. God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, 
knowing good and evil. All right? So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she gave to her husband who was with her the whole time, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were open. They knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And then they heard God. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So I want you to think about this with me just for a minute. In the beginning, there were only two voices that were speaking, God's voice and the voice that man was speaking. All that was perfect was perfect because man was saying what God said. Everything was perfect because man was saying what God said. It wasn't until this other voice, the voice of the serpent, what we would say, which Jesus referred to as the devil, that when that voice began to speak and man began to listen to a third voice, okay, that the third voice began to create a new world, a new world order, a new world system. And God talks about that here. It's, it's really, I mean, it's right in the text. I mean, it's just amazing. See, God shows up and he says to verse 9, to Adam, where are you? And he said, well, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid and I was naked, and I hid myself. So it isn't that Adam didn't know the voice of God still. He just has another voice that he's been listening to. And that voice is creating confusion in him. Because watch verse 11, and he said, God said, who told you you were naked? Who told you that? See, because before that, when I told you it was all right, and that's all you knew was your nakedness, it wasn't a problem. But the third voice that has now come in, God's saying, who told you that you were like this? And I want you to see, here it's what happened. Immediately, Adam, he begins to blame, he begins not to blame Eve, but he begins to blame God. And I want you to see this, because a lot of people say, well, he blamed, he blamed his wife for his problems. And I know guys will say, like, well, my problem's my wife. Well, that's a lie. Your problem is you. Maybe I ought to preach on that. I didn't get very many good amens with that. <laughs> Watch this. Verse, 11, verse 12. The man said, the woman. Now, if it was left at that, that would have been fine. But it says, the woman whom you gave to be with me. So who is he really blaming? He's blaming God. Lord, you did this. Well, if you wouldn't have given me this woman, I wouldn't be in this mess that I'm in now. She gave me of the tree, and I ate. And so the Lord then talked with the woman, and she begins to tell about how that the serpent deceived her. Remember, Adam was not deceived. Eve was deceived. Eve was deceived. And Adam, who's standing there the whole time, should have spoke up, and he didn't stand. He didn't speak up. And I don't have time to get into all the depth of this, but God gave a mandate to Adam before Eve was ever around, and you're to guard and protect this garden. Keep, the, keep this kind of junk, keep the wrong things out of here. Anything that's contrary to what I have said does not belong in the garden. All right? 
Well, Adam's not a, you know, he's not a way off somewhere else. It wasn't like he didn't know what was going on. He knew full and well. The problem was is that Adam, because he's watching all of this going on with Eve, he's giving into, he's giving into the thoughts of it. He's giving into the thoughts that the tree is good and we might be like God. We could make our own decisions. We'll know what's good and what's evil. We'll know what's right and what's wrong. We'll make our own moral choices now. We won't have to have God tell us what to do. See, that's not deception. That's Adam willfully, and this is why judgment came on mankind, okay? The, the sin of Adam was is that Adam made a choice in his life that God should not be God and he should be God. And God will have no other gods before him. That's what he told us in the commandments. Are you all with me right now? All right. So... I want us to go down to, um, there's a lot of great stuff there, but I want, I want us to go down to, um, to verse, uh, verse 8-17, all right? To verse 17. Now, I want to do a little paradigm shift with you. Do you know what, everybody know what a paradigm, paradigm's a pattern, it's a way of thinking. I want you to, I want you to look at this from a different way, all right? So, then God said to Adam, because you heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. I told you not to do this, and you did it, okay? Cursed is the ground, all right? But I want you to look at the next line if you have the King James Bible or New King James. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field in the sweat of your face, and you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Everybody look up at me. Now, what I hear people talk about with these verses, they say, well, that's where God cursed the earth. God did not curse the earth. He told Adam that the earth is cursed because of you. Because now, and now stay with me, because now, Adam, you are now listening to a different voice than my voice. And because you listen to that voice, the influence of that voice will influence how you treat the earth, how you speak over what you do. And so now what should have been easy because you were saying what I said, now will be hard for you because you'll say what the serpent said. See, we walk in the earth and go, well, you know, life is hard because it's just hard because, well, because God's cursed the earth. No, it's mankind that's cursing the earth. And mankind is cursing the earth by the very thing that God said. He curses the earth by his mouth, by the way he talks about the earth, by the way he talks about the things that he does, by the way he talks about his family, by the way he talks about his finances, or her talks about her finances, or the way they talk about their marriage, or the way they talk about their children, or they talk about life in general. Okay? See, the serpent, he knew if he could get Adam to listen to his voice, that what it would do would influence the culture and the would influence the culture and the system of the earth permanently. Unless there was a way to be able to change the heart of man. But Adam, 
began to curse his own world. He began to speak against his own world. And when he began to do that, everything now that was hard, that was easy, became hard. Now, here's the really great news about this. And I hope you get this today. If we say what God says, we can still produce what Adam had before he fell listening to this other voice. The problem we deal with is we're listening to two different voices. And those two voices are telling us contrary things. This is where faith comes in. You know, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things that are not seen. Paul talks about faith in Corinthians, and he says that the spirit of faith is, I believe, therefore I speak it. I say it. Mark, or, uh, Romans chapter 10 says that with the heart a man believes, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So what I believe, I'm saying out of my mouth. Are you with me right now? So, well, pastor, I just can't believe it. See, because here's, what, here's why. Because, see, the serpent wants you to think that God has cursed the earth, and so the earth is cursed, and you're just going to have to live in a cursed earth. But the truth is, what the serpent doesn't want you to, and some of you are struggling listening to this right now, what the serpent doesn't want you to believe is, is that the earth is only cursed because of your mouth. Because of the... Because look, I'm telling you right now, it is a lot easier in life to just blame God for everything. Right? Well, what can you do? The earth is cursed. Well, my garden's not going to produce. Well, we'll probably, you know, like Sharon said, we speak over our, I, I know it sounds like really ridiculous probably to you that we say that every one of those piglets is going to live and she's going to be a good mama. Well, what would you have us to say? She's going to be a bad mama and eat all her babies? But see, that's what the curse, that's what happens under mankind falling is, is that man begins to say things that are influenced by the serpent. Now, I'll show you how this is a world system. Ah, boy, am I going to have time to get into all of this. All right. Uh, I, want you to look at, um, I want you to look at Luke chapter 4 real quick. Luke chapter 4, write it down at least so you can look at it later. Now, this is Jesus in, this is Jesus and the serpent having a dialogue, okay? And all the time that Jesus is having this dialogue with the serpent or the devil in chapter 4 of the book of Luke, Jesus is having to respond back to it. How does Jesus, what does Jesus do whenever the serpent says something? He doesn't go, I'm ignoring you right now. I'm not paying any attention to you right now. What does he do? He responds with what God has said. All right? He responds with what God has said. So I don't, I'm not going to go into all of these, but I want you to look at verse, I want you to look at uh, verse four. So the serpent said, turn, you know, these, uh, turn the bread into stone, or stone into bread, excuse me. Jesus wrote, said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you. Now, that's a pretty bold statement. The world, I'll give it all to you. And what does he say? He says, look, I'll give it all to you and the glory of it, everything that goes with it, 
And then notice the next part of this verse. For this has been delivered to me. Who delivered it to the serpent? Adam delivered it, and mankind, the sons and daughters of Adam, have continued to deliver it to the serpent by the things that they're saying. Mama was poor. Daddy was poor. I'll be poor. My kids will be poor. Grandma had cancer. Mama had cancer. I'll get cancer. Cancer runs in my family. He said, look, I'll give it to whoever I want to give it to. And I want you to notice Jesus didn't go, that's a lie, that's a lie, that's a lie. No, 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 you don't know the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That is true. But the one that God put the earth and the, the world in charge of turned it over to the serpent, and the serpent rules through the mouths of people. You say, well, he rules through the hearts of people. Well, he does but it's their mouths that continue to speak it out into the world. This is the world system. Now, I'll give you one more verse with this, and then i got to move on. Romans, just so you can see this, Romans uh, chapter 8, and, uh, and I want us to look at... Um, Uh, let's go ahead and do uh, verse, verse 20. For creation, are you in chapter 8? For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So who's going to deliver this world from its corruption? Oh, well, that's God. Correct. It's God through his children speaking what God says. You guys are making me work awfully hard. Verse 22, for we know, and most believers don't know this, but should know it. We know the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who had the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is not seen is, is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Now, what he's saying is, look, all of creation, even your own body, is waiting for you to rise up and be the redeemed believer that God has called you to be. To begin, but, but that doesn't happen because you go to church. It doesn't happen just because you sang a few songs or because you prayed once or because you carry a Bible. The way that life changes is because you and I, we begin to say what God says. God laid it out in Isaiah 55 so clearly for you and I, and he spoke a word to me here this morning. He said, listen, my thinking is disruptive to your thinking. I want you to just grab hold of that. What God thinks is disruptive. It doesn't change your thinking, it throws, it disrupts everything you're thinking. It, it, well, 
How does that work? You know, like you try to tell me how God can love you who sinned against Him and most of you did it knowing exactly what you were doing multiple times and went right back to Him and asked for the same love and forgiveness that you got before when you knew you were just going to keep screwing up and you had screwed up before. And when you read that God loves you, when you read that God adopts you, when you read that He takes you to a place of justification just as if you had never sinned before, and He sets you at His own right hand in the heavenly places and says, in my Son, you're there with me in heaven today. The same authority He had, you now have. The same power that He had, you now have. And here you and I are. Listen, that doesn't, that doesn't just get your thinking excited, it, conf it disrupts your thinking. He said, my thinking is disruptive. When I speak, when I talk to my people, it's disruptive to your thinking. But I know what I'm doing, God said. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And he says, I'm speaking these things because the earth naturally will respond. These people still think, well, it doesn't matter if we say God's word because the earth is cursed. See, you're going back to where did the curse come from? It came for Adam's sake. It's because of the person that's on the earth, not the earth that's cursed. God did not give the earth authority over itself. Right? He didn't. He didn't say, okay, earth, you have your own way, you have your own thought. In fact, it says there that the earth, the earth is in a place that it's just waiting for some people to rise up and to be who God called them to be so we could begin to say what God says so this earth could begin to move the direction that God wants it to move. But what we do is give more credence to the news reporter, to the weather report, to the stock market, to the banker, the baker and the butcher. I mean, we give all those guys more authority instead of realizing that what God is saying is, look, the power, the authority, I gave it to man in the beginning. But because of the corruptness of the serpent and that you listen to the voice of the serpent, you're now just, you're just being, you're a tool of the enemy. He's just using your mouth to corrupt and destroy your own life. So why? Well, I just, I don't. I can believe that. Well, why did he say in Proverbs, life and death are in the power of the tongue? He didn't say life and death are in the power of the earth. He said life and death are in the power of the, uh, in the, power of the tongue. It's how you speak. What do you say? You, you go in your Bible and start looking at what all the times that it says, what do you say? What do you got to say about this? What are you going to say about this? What do you say about yourself? John, the Baptist, what do you say? Who are you? Where, what do you have to say? John said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. No, maybe you're this guy. Maybe No, I know who I am. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. They came to Jesus and said the exact same thing. Who are you? The enemy's going to do that every single day of your life. See, you and I, we live for years and years under a system that teach us to say, teaches us to say the wrong things over our life to say the wrong things over our finances, to say the wrong things over our health. Well, Pastor, it just can't be that easy. Well, see, that's the serpent. Because the serpent says it's locked down, you can't change it. And if there's any lie he's got the church believing today is that this earth is cursed. 
God did not curse the earth. He said that the earth will be cursed because, you read it in your Bible, it's cursed because of what you're saying. No, I think I like to just blame God, right? All my problems are because of God, all because of what God has done. Now, Isaiah 55, 9, 10, and 11 says, God, going back to this disruptive, being disruptive. My thoughts, he said, are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. He didn't say some of my thoughts are not your thoughts. Some of my ways are not your ways. He said, my ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. He says, because they're as high as the heaven. He says, look, they're so far removed from you, from mankind. He said, but look, as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but it waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud to give seed to the sower, bread to the eater, God says, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. So what I'm saying will give seed to the sower, bread to the eater, rain to the earth. It will cause the things to produce the way that I have already predicted for them to produce. Okay? So, he said, as it goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return void or empty. But it will accomplish, watch it, my word will accomplish what I desire and it will prosper in the thing, for and you're the thing, it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. See, we live in this contradiction in our life if we think that God cursed the earth because if we think that that's what God did, then we, what would be the point of trying to change what's in the earth? What would be the point in us believing for anything? The only reason we even have a hope or an idea of doing that is because we read our Bible and because it says that we can do that. But if we think that God is still controlling the, the string here and he's got this thing cursed in the earth and so no matter what we say, we're still going to produce curses, then we'll think there is no hope. No matter what I say, I just, you know, hope maybe God will change his mind and take that curse away. But boy, what responsibility. And listen, I get it, man. Nobody wants to take responsibility for their problems. We live in a whole world that doesn't want to do that. Well, I have weight issues because of my wife. I have weight issues because I don't have enough money to eat right. I have problems with my health because I don't have the right equipment. I have, uh, you know, I can't read. I don't. I can't read well because I can't afford to buy books. But see, all of those are things that the serpent has influenced us through his nature to believe and to think that keep us from our potential and our future that God wants us to have in our lives. You can. You can. Well, Pastor, that works for you, but that doesn't work for me. Well, look, who's cursing your earth? I'm not cursing your earth. God's not cursing your earth. You just spoke and said, it just isn't going to work. It just isn't going to happen. You've already given up. You've already thrown in the towel. You've already surrendered. And all creation around you has the potential to turn the direction you need it to go, that God has said it could go, and God, the, all of it's just waiting for you and I to begin to speak it. 
And I could point out so many great illustrations of this. I don't have time to get into all of it because I am at noon, and my goodness, I was going to stop. So I know as we struggle through this, thinking the thoughts of God, we're like, well, it just doesn't seem easy, Pastor, whenever I say what God says for things to change. And here, here's where this gets really, one is you're not familiar with the change that you need in your life right now. You're not, okay? You're not familiar with it. You're going to have to work to get to it now because you've been too familiar with the other way, right? So we're too familiar with it. Now, we could be excited about anything for a day, even for a week, right? Even for, you know, they say, well, 21 days. 21 days does not make a great habit. It takes a lot longer than 21 days. It's consistently every day doing the same thing the right way and doing it over and 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 over. And when you don't want to do it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it. But eventually, you become totally convinced, not just inspired, you become totally convinced that this is the way I want to live my life. This is the way I want to live my life. See, the adversity that you and I face isn't the adversity from the outside. It's the adversity from the inside. Yes, yeah, yes. But I want to tell you, God knows you got that adversity in your life. Don't be discouraged because God knows it's there. He knows that adversity is there. That's why he tells you, stay in my word. Look to my word. Go to what I have said. Say what I have said. Lord, I want to do that, but it doesn't seem like anything's changing. That's okay. That's okay. See, because the system that we're used to isn't the same system that God wants us to operate by. And so he knows the inner adversity is what's going to, it's going to mess us up. We're going to get going on a a direction. We're going to be believing. It's kind of like, maybe you've had this happen. You decide you're going to go on a weight loss program. And so you, you go three days of eating great and exercise and you go weigh yourself and you put five pounds on. No, I've, I've talked to people that have done that. They're like, well, what's the point? Why even try? I put five pounds on. And then, you know, they'll find somebody will say, well, you put muscle on, okay? Muscle doesn't jiggle, so I'm sorry. You did not put muscle on. You probably retained water if you put that much. Men or women, you probably retained water if you put five pounds on. Your body doesn't know how to act because you're putting it, you're making it try to change, and you don't like change. You like familiarity. You like the way it is. That's exactly what they dealt with in Jesus' hometown. It was the familiarity of who he was that was robbing them from the the promise that he wanted to change their lives that day. Think of all the sick people that were there. Think of all the dying people. Think of all the people who needed miracles in their life that were robbed that day because they would not believe because of their familiarity with where they had been. God knows that adversity's in there. But here's what happens, and this is so cool and we'll we'll be done, I promise. That adversity that's in you that you deal with in your head, you know when you lay in bed at night and you're in that struggle, it's not working, but I know what God said. That adversity, God uses that adversity into your life to strengthen you. If you stick with it, okay? Have you ever, uh, some of you remember this, back in the 80s, 
uh, they tried to do the biodome. Do you remember that? The biodome was this great big dome. They did a movie with Polly Short in it. You know, it was about, what was it called? It was a bio, biodome. Okay. So it was about building this perfect environment, right? This big dome, and they're going to grow all this stuff inside this dome. And so they plant trees in this dome. They plant vegetables, all this stuff. Well, what happens is everything go, grows way quicker then everything grows way quicker than, than it normally would in a natural environment. I mean, it grows. I mean, these trees, they take off. They're, they're huge. They begin to grow. And then this incredible thing begins to happen. The trees begin to fall over. And they couldn't figure out why when we create this perfect environment, there's no wind, there's no challenge, there's no difficulty. Why when we create this environment, would these trees fall over? And what they came to the conclusion, all these biologists is, that it is the adversity in life that these trees deal with that causes them to root strong and be strong in the midst of whatever wind, whatever storm, whatever difficulty comes their way. And they said that, that we can't grow stuff inside this dome like this because this is not a perfect environment. The perfect environment is the one where wind is blowing and adversity is blowing and polar vortexes are coming and all these difficulties that we deal with in life because it's in that that what we believe becomes strengthened and grows deep into the ground and the soil of our life and we can stand up in the midst of a storm when all our friends say, our family say, how can you do that? How can you stand up to that cancer like that? How can you deal with this lack like that? How do you deal with it? And you say, because, listen, friend, my roots go deep. They're rooted into something far deeper than what you can see. You're only seeing the outside. There's an inside. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. You're in adversity right now. Good. Good. Last Sunday was a nightmare. That wind blowing. Oh, my goodness. We sat in our house going, when will it end? When will it end? And the Lord reminded me. He said, listen, don't forget. That wind is making. You see those big oaks in front of your house? They're not blown over. You know why they're not blown over? Because they have hundreds of years of adversity. They're not out there complaining going, Oh, life is hard. It's tough to be an oak. They're saying, listen, if you could only see what this wind has done to my life. Hey, we all have adversity in our lives, friends. Every one of us here, you do, I do, we all got it. We all got our stories. But here's what God says. I'm going to disrupt your thinking. In the midst of that, everything around you is going to say it's not true, it's not happening, it's not going to take place. But you walk by faith. You do not walk by sight. Don't, don't, listen, don't be negative about your adversity. Look at that adversity and go, you know what? I'm becoming stronger. This thing's becoming more real in my life than it's ever been before. Can you say amen? Does it get hard? You better believe it gets hard. There's stuff Sharon and I are believing for in our lives, and sometimes it looks like everything is going the wrong 
direction. But we are going to keep going the right direction because we know this. The earth is subject to the whatever words are being spoken, and I determine I'm going to speak and say what God says. I'm going to say over my family, me and my whole household will be saved. I'm going to say I'm going to live a long life and be satisfied with the goodness of God. Can I get a good amen? I'm going to prosper and be in health even as my soul is prospering. Amen? Stand up with me this morning. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're going to bring you up and pray for adversity this morning, all of you that want to. No, I'm just teasing. Because you know what? It's already in there, isn't it? It's already there. It's already there. But the Word of God, the sure Word of God, is the prediction of your future. I declare over you today that from this day forward, your life will begin to walk. You'll begin to walk in the system that God has established for your life and begin to say what God says and not give in to all the other nonsense. Oh, there's a serpent. He's still talking. Look, he's still trying to influence. He's still trying to get you to be in submission to him. But what you're saying is what God said. You're not stupid. I'm brilliant. Come on, I'm brilliant. I'm brilliant. I've got a, I'm fierce in my faith towards God. Hallelujah. I'm confident in everything I do. Not because I'm making up thoughts about myself, but because the Word says that the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. I am like I am because of God in my life, not because of Richard in my life. I am the kind of man that I am. I have the faith that I have because I have determined that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and I will put that word first place over all things. Over all things. In Jesus' name, bow your heads with me. Father, right now I know you're speaking to folks all over this place, Lord God. You're talking to them. Lord, you gave me that question. I believe you're, you're speaking that question to all of them here today. What will you do from this day forward to build your faith? What will you do? Because my faith isn't your responsibility, Lord. It's my faith. And so from this day forward, what will I do to build my faith? What will I do to build my faith and release your divine intent over creation. In Jesus' name. And all those agreed said. Amen. I'm going to ask our prayer team elders and leadership to come, if you would, and stand in the front. We're going to pray for folks if you need prayer here today. Uh, listen, don't walk out of this place the way you came. No matter what burdens you might carry or difficulties, these folks are here to pray with you. they got scriptures they could give you today. If you need a verse over a situation, God bless you. You're formally dismissed, but I want...